Welcome to Think Smart, Feel Smart, Live Smart. I'm V. Vincy, Registered Counselor, Relationship and Family Therapist and Founder of Headquarters Counselling Services. This podcast aims to break down the overwhelm of life and equip you with a toolbox of knowledge, tips and tricks to help you live your best life. This raw, real and unproduced podcast uses audio taken from my weekly live broadcast in the HQCS Community Facebook group. You can find a link to the community in the episode notes. It's free to join. Now let's get started. Hi, welcome back to the community. What a week it's been. So big shout out to any new members and always a shout out to the main crew. You know the deal. Um, had a few new members, so for those of you who do not know me, I am B. Vincy. I'm a registered counsellor, relationship and family therapist and founder of Headquarters Counselling Services where I work most days in East Fremantle unless I'm working from my bedroom. So I help people pinpoint confusion and chaos so they can achieve the clear, calm and confident life you want. I am absolutely passionate for delivering good quality mental health personal growth and progress and my mission is to inspire you to live fully and authentically. Um, the com- this community is all about learning and connecting in a way that is far less formal than traditional counselling but is certainly underpinned by principles. You will find every episode available in the resources section and you can even download me on iTunes which is great. People are loving the podcast and I really love that you guys love that because we all know We just don't have time to watch a lot of videos sometimes. So the audio is pulled out every week raw, so it's not even edited, and you get to listen to that, and it's good fun. Now, if you are new to the group, go back and have a look at any or all of the videos or listen to the podcast. If not, let me give you a quick rundown. Last year, I focused specifically on the anxiety and stress that was ever-present and resulting behaviours from that. So this year I've taken a lot more long-term view of where we start, where it happens in the middle, and then rounding out the end again. One of the biggest things that's probably that is important for me that you know is that the information I provide is always solidly backed up by science, that you're not simply getting my opinion and listening to me shout off a lot of crap, really. Secondly, the psychology behind what's happening is really important because it helps you understand yourself more so that you do something different to get a different result. Now, should I say it or should I not? What the fuck? Hasn't our world changed in a week? Now, I could go on about this lockdown and about COVID, but you know what? We've all done it. We've all done it to death this week. We are here. We will deal with it. We will survive it. If it is particularly tough for you, then reach out and call us. But you could always go back to the very first episode in our lives because guess what? That's why it started almost one year ago today at the same time. And guess what else? It's the same. I flew by the seat of my pants last year with these topics. And I thought, this year I thought I was really special because I thought, man, I had to think about what what might happen and this was not factored in at all. But something really interesting happened because this topic was in my new list. We were going to discuss this anyway because this is where a lot of people are because this is what I was working with two weeks ago before all this shit 
So I'm just going to go with tonight's topic like we aren't in lockdown and all is well with the world because it's going to fit either way. Everyone's overwhelmed. Okay, so we started off with so what, now what? And if there is one live or podcast that I want you to start with, it is that one because it was talking about what you want to do, you know, how you want to start your year. I want you to get into the group and I want you to engage in the questions. Because seriously, it sets the tone of understanding for any decisions you want to make. And regardless of what's going on this week, you've still got decisions to make. You've still got things you want to do. Even last year, you might have been stuck, but I reckon you could go back and look at what did I do. There'll be stuff that you did. After that, also like after the first one, we went into what we call choice point, which is one of my faves because it essentially looks at towards behaviour that moves you to closer to who you are and closer to your values or you go the opposite being a way behavior which often moves someone away from their values right a choice point therefore is the almost exact moment in time when it's possible to choose between you know values consistent and values inconsistent behavior so if we work with the concept of new year's resolutions you should be more than ready to make a decision or you have already made a decision about a goal of some sort of change that you might want or you want to implement something new, all right? So why isn't everybody running around doing the actions that would take them there except for this week? Because you weren't doing it probably two weeks ago either. There are actually two things that contribute to this and I can vouch for one of them because I have been working with this a lot in my rooms in the last two weeks. The first one is overwhelm. Yes, overwhelm. The second one, well, I'm going to get to that one a little bit later. People are completely overwhelmed right now. With what? Well, you name it, it's in their thoughts. Now, remember, I did write this probably two, three days ago or before this crap, and it was school's going back, work is going back or has been, and now you're juggling kids and you're work and juggling work again, their dinners need to be cooked, Nana is old, and now you've got to look after her as well instead of her helping you and if you don't have kids well they're just as overwhelmed but differently now if you take all of that bit out and you don't put anything about schools going back and works going back and blah 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 we're still overwhelmed because now we're going what the hell what happened when am i going to be working what am i going to do when are these kids going back to school we're still in the overwhelmed point i could probably write a book about the things that overwhelm people but hey, I really don't care about that. I care about the why and how are you going to manage it. Overwhelm is a part of stress. This is part of a fairly big workshop that I deliver corporately on work-life balance and generational dynamics. So you are going to get a snippet of the overwhelm section. Now, I always get a giggle when I start this workshop because my first slide after my introduction says, um, so the big introduction says we're in here for work-life balance. I'm going to I, I give you this big sales pitch about how to get work-life balance. The second slide after that introduction says there is no things, there is no such thing as work-life balance. And I always get a giggle because I generally have at least 10 but up to 50 people in that room. And the more often than not, the CEO is there too. So it's that first 30 seconds of the blank look and the unasked question of, well, why the hell are we all here then? Which is what I ask in the second slide. So the answer to the term work-life balance 
What is it? It's a buzzword. It's favoured in the last few years due in part to the dominating presence of millennials in the workforce. So millennials are Gen Y and now Z. Employers have been putting a tremendous effort into trying to determine the best way to engage and to appeal to millennial workers to satisfy the assumed desires of millennial employees. Many uh, employers overcompensate by adding things like games rooms and bean bags to spruce up the work environment. An entire industry has popped up surrounding making workspaces more millennial friendly. Being a millennial comes with its fair share of stereotypes, but if you go past the generational um, hype, there is one factor common to all generations, chronic stress. Different reasons, same result. Chronic stress is one of the most common health issues in society. And it should come as no surprise that it has filtered through to the workplace. And I did a series on stress in this group, which you can look at or listen to on the podcast. It leads to all sorts of negative physical and mental impacts. Maintaining work-life balance helps reduce stress and helps prevent burnout in the workplace. But what exactly does it look like? Well, this is where things can get a bit complicated. Creating a flexible work environment is one of the best ways to satisfy the work-life balance needs of most employees, no matter which generation they belong to. But it's important for employers and employees to realise that work-life balance is about more than just money and hours. Prioritising a healthy culture and cultivating a happy workplace environment promotes work-life balance. So when employees are happy in their roles, Work will feel more like a second home and less like working for a paycheck. Now, I'm not delivering a work-life balance topic here, but today one of the common denominators in stress for all generations is overwhelm. So overwhelm can be described as a 20-foot wave crashing into you, where you can feel completely overcome in mind or emotion. So that's in your thoughts or in your feelings. So when we think a stressor is too great for us to manage, we feel overwhelmed. So feeling overwhelmed has many faces and it can manifest as a really intense emotion such as anxiety or anger or irritability or it can manifest as maladaptive thought process such as um, worry or doubt or helplessness and behaviours such as crying or lashing out and experiencing a panic attack. So anxiety seems to be the most common symptom of overwhelm, which is why it is associated with stress. My issue with the system is that it often treats the symptoms, being the anxiety, but it doesn't spend enough time breaking down the cause, which is the stress, and are providing a better understanding so that you can really make changes. This would be more than what my last client um, said to her doctor, which this is what she, the doctor told her. Spend some time doing what you love, please. If it was that simple, we'd all be feeling a lot better. Part of this is because there is still a stigma around anxiety and people often question their sanity rather than their behaviour. Productivity, whether it is at the office or at home, is not a function of how many things you can do at one time or how fast you are doing them. It's about focused attention on one thing at a time. All you have to do is elude the thousands of thoughts that sidetrack you and focus on the one little thing right in front of us. So 
if we can learn how to optimize our brains to function properly, it will help achieve a sustainable level of performance at work and a much happier and well-balanced life at home. So how do we do that? Well, I think the first thing we need to fully understand is this super simple statement. Your brain is not a storage center. Yes, that's it, my number one rule. Honestly, if we simply tell ourselves, I have too much in my head right now, I need to get some of it out, we would relieve the pressure enough to see what we need to eat first. Because there's a little saying that says, to eat the elephant, you've got to start chewing one leg or you'll choke. How's that for a visual? Now, how do you get it out? You can tell people, absolutely. But you know what? Sometimes when everybody is overwhelmed, biggest thing you can do, write it out. Write out all the crap that you have in your head. Not a to-do list for yourself or not a to-do list for anyone. Just write the crap out. That's it. The brain has limits. Working memory, also known as short-term memory, is one of these limitations. It's the key to doing anything, whether in work or life, but it's highly restricted. You can't hang on to more than three or four thought chunks at a time, and then you can only do that for a few seconds. Your brain is good at staying alive, eating and avoiding harm's way. That's what it was designed for. It is not built for keeping track of 30 appointments in your head. Trying to ignore that limitation is a big driver of overwhelm. As the to-dos start to circle in your mind, they nag us, trying to get us to notice them. The longer those items remain unhandled, the more urgent the nag becomes, which drives the belief that things are out of control. So what's going to help? Start by offloading the internal nag. Because you're going to think too, if you've got lots and lots of stuff coming out, you, you'll, know, you'll know this picture. You've got all this shit in your head and so you've got this internal nag system that is going, you need to get it done, you need to get it done. So what do you think you do externally? You nag. Sorry, there'll be men all over here going, man, that is my wife, she's nagging me to death. But... I want you to think past that and go, man, if she was nagging you, imagine the voice in her head. That voice in her head must be going crazy if she has got to. We call that the mental load. And I often have this situation with couples where the some neither party often understands the mental load. Women just keep it in their head and men don't even realise it's there. There's a really cool little brain um, video and it's called The Difference Between Men and Women's Brains. And I love it because it always makes me laugh. And there is a concept in there that they say men have a part of their brain and it's called the nothing box. And it doesn't mean that there's nothing in their heads. It means that they have this little box that they can go into and it's called the nothing box. And in that box, they get absolute peace and quiet. And... The, the video talks about how when women realise that men have a nothing box, it pisses them off and then they want to go into the nothing box and men will fight to the death to keep you out of the nothing box. And in a way I think, man, I'd love to have a nothing box, but unfortunately we don't. So what we want to do is have a bit of a shared load, so that's what we do with the mental load. 
All right, so if you start by offloading the internal nag, this is the key to managing overwhelm, to get the volume issue under control. If it's too loud in your head, it's gonna come out too loud. Putting it on paper helps to introduce discussions of, I actually really need help here. Let's figure how we can do this out, all right? It's the number of incoming and still unfinished items that trigger the danger button in the ancient brain. So you would have heard me say this before. The brain doesn't know the difference between real and imagined danger. All right, so huge amounts of data coming in can trigger the danger button in the ancient brain and it turns on the stress response because the quantity has overloaded the brain's perceived ability to cope with it all. It's pretty cool, really. We can make the stack of to-dos manageable when we get all the floating items out of our head and onto paper or onto a screen, along with the next physical action for each one. Once that happens, the brain lets go and it stops the badgering and hanging onto the do's because it thinks you are on the way to handling things. So sometimes it can be as simple as needing to clear space in the brain. Overwhelm is a menace to productivity. It is a menace to society. It undermines the chief productivity tool, attention. The overwhelmed mind is also caught up in a time frenzy since it feels like it's falling behind on everything. Time pressure makes the decisions worse, leading to crisis mentality. All right, we all know crisis mentality it can be quite impulsive doesn't think through things clearly. So there are research-based solutions to handling overwhelm, as long as we agree that it's a problem and not a badge of honour, because this is a particularly disturbing trend in society where you just go to any school drop-off sometimes or a pick-up point and you can listen to the conversation. I've got to do this, this, this and this. Sometimes it's like a badge of honour and it's we have learnt to operate from fight or flight and our bodies have not only learnt to not operate from rest and restore, they, it almost doesn't recognise it. So we've got this situation occurring nowadays where I get people who come in, everything in their life is great for the first time. They've worked really, really hard with me or with their, as a couple and they've got to a point where they go, oh, my God, everything's good. And I go, well, why are you here? Go, oh, I just, it doesn't feel right. I'm just waiting for the other shoe to drop. That's because the body goes, oh, hang on a minute, I don't recognise this. And I think, yeah, because they've been in chronic stress for the whole time. And you have to end up training your body to remember the pattern of rest and restore. All right? Being over-consumed with over-performance and busyness is not a good thing. It doesn't speak to your endurance. It speaks to counterproductivity because we wind up doing more than we can do well. So overwhelm is one of the quickest triggers of the stress response because it's the definition of something beyond coping. It's saying this is too much. It can be the engine of a lot of um, psychological and emotional issues, hypertension, insomnia, irritable bowel, family dysfunction, burnout, depression. And if we work with my model of, you know, keep it simple, it simply clogs the decision-making system because remember, that's what we are talking about, decision-making. How am I going to make a decision for me this year that is going to give me a different outcome from last year? All right, it's got nothing to do with COVID. 
just about what do you want for yourself that's different. All right, so now you know number one. Guess what number two is? I'm glad you asked because I don't really even need to talk about this because we already did. Guilt. Yes, that slippery sucker. You are on the guilty train, my friend. You need to make a stop and get the fuck off that train. Go back and listen to the series on guilt. All of them. All four of them. There are four. It took a long time to manage guilt and overwhelm. It's the first stop on the guilty train because that's where it stops, in the city of overwhelm. You essentially do none of the things that you want to do so you feel bad. And as soon as you feel bad, well, we all know where that leads. So go back and look at guilt or recognize that overwhelm can lead to guilt and then take a step back, get off the train and go, right, what am I going to do? I need to make a list of some sort. Just dump it all out and figure it out after. Make some space in your brain. So overwhelm tips for you. Number one, track your time. Time is the biggest stealer. Um, actually, is it a stealer? Well, time just disappears on us and it's a big contributor to overwhelm because if you don't track your time, man, it disappears just like money. So I always track time like money. I always treat it like instead of 24 hours, I treat it like $24,000 because I'd be, certainly be tracking that if that went missing. $24? No one gives a shit about 20 bucks anymore. $24,000? Even I'm going to look at that. And if I'm really pressed for time, make that $24 million, you will certainly be tracking it then, okay? So have a look, track it. Determine your priorities. This is where the dumping um, helps you because you know what? We've got so many things in our head. What we think is important probably really isn't sometimes. It's not about importance. It's about what do I need to do first that's going to start the momentum so that I can get all the shit done? Sometimes you've got to start with a little thing. Sometimes you've got to start the opposite. You'll figure it out. Set goals. That comes after you've dumped it all out. Set the goals. When am I going to do this? What am I going to do? And really keep it quite simple. You know, I was saying to my daughter the other day, um, you know, nobody wants to do shit. We don't. We, we do what we have to do. But we. I've got to figure out, I, if, if you looked at my pleasure pain principle, which is one of the other lives I've done, um, I am pleasure motivated every day. It's all about the pleasure. That's it. So I put in... Uh, lots of little rewards and treats. And for me nowadays, treats are uh, going out for a coffee. Like even if I'm at my office, if I know that I've got a shitty report to do and I've got a gap in between, I will ring a friend. Um, Listen, I've got to do this report, but are you around? Can you come and meet me for a coffee in an hour? Yeah, yeah, great. No worries. It makes me work faster because I really want to go for that coffee. I get the report done and I go. Great. And if I don't get the report done, Sorry, um, I can't do that. Can, can we do it 15 minutes later? I have to change, I have to extend it. Can't give myself the reward unless I've done it. All right, and that's the whole concept with it. Okay, number four, schedule, schedule, schedule. That is, when you get track your time and you realize how much you're wasting, then you start to utilize it. Now we're banking time. All right, so now I'm getting 24,000 and I'm going, right, I'm putting 1,000 on this hour and I'm putting 1,000 on that. I need to know where it's going, so then I schedule it, so then I know exactly where it's going, all right? Number five, nurture your family and relationships. You, you've got to do that. There's so many things. We, I see it with mums a lot all the time. No, I can't do that. I've got to do this, 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 and this. 
But you know, if you were a CEO, because I get this a lot, I get CEOs who have worked their way to the top and they come to me not because they've worked their way to the top, because when they got there, what they were working for has uh, said, I'm out the door, Jack, because you're an asshole. So then they go, I, I was doing it all for them. And it's the same concept with mums. They're all this running around and going, but well, hang on, why are you doing it? Because then I get them and they go, I miss my kids. I miss that time. I didn't appreciate it. So you really got to take time to nurture it. It's difficult. It's not easy. But try and get some of the stuff out of your head and, and start going, yep, yeah, let's. And that's where you track your time. You put in an hour for your kids, they're going to love you. You don't even need to do an hour, to be honest. Um, you got to enjoy what you're doing. And this is part of the decisions. You know, for, for ongoing, for the year, I go, if you're not enjoying your work, that's one of the decisions I want you to look at. What do I actually really want to do? Because often we don't put enough time and thought into what do I want to do and we just roll on doing the same shit over and over again and then guess what? We get to December and we go, oh my God, it's Christmas again. So make time for you. When you go back and watch Guilt, you will get the whole self-care thing. Got to make time. Do it. Leave work at work, even though that is really hard at the moment because now we're working from home. It's but but that's tracking time, and you know you've got to leave your work at work sometimes. It's it's a really important part if we're looking. Because remember, my topic here is overwhelm. What is contributing to overwhelm? We take more and more and more shit home. It's literally like a filing cabinet on our back. So in terms of that one, number nine, work smarter, not harder. You know, we have to really start looking at and do it on an individual level. Don't ask about what can I, what the organisation needs to do this. Don't say that. What do I need to do to work smarter, not harder in my role? And you will reduce the bubble of overwhelm for yourself. Okay. Number 10, know when to ask for help. So that's going to be really handy for this week because you've got to know when, if you are overwhelmed at work and it's causing undue stress, don't suffer in silence because you're just going to bring it home. You've got to shed the superwoman or superman image and explain your situation to somebody, whether it's your boss or whether it's a another health professional, whether it's a friend. Untenable work situations can usually be alleviated, but it will take some assertiveness on your part. But we're looking for balance, and if you don't have balance in one area, you're going to struggle getting it in both, which is why it can be a myth. So on a final note, for those of you who have sat there going, oh, well, I don't do that. I'm not, um, I can do all these things. If you think you are multitasking, multitasking is bullshit. You are switch tasking. We can only do one cognitive task at a time. Working memory gathers thought associations and you need, you need those to perform a single task and not multiple tasks, all right? Now, one of the big things with that is that women appear to do multitasking better than men or do more things at once. What women do in a way better is that they are able to prioritise and complete individual tasks really, really quickly. It's like getting a, you know, A to Z all muddled up. You've got all these papers from A to Z. 
it's like women can get the get that A to Z, 100 pieces of paper in A to Z in alphabetical order really quick so that they can go bang, 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 bang. I don't know why, and it might be something to do with the brain capacity functioning, but men don't do the same. So they can sometimes have issues in terms of prioritising what needs to come first so they can often start more than one task. Women seem to do it differently, but I can tell you it is not multitasking. So don't be blowing smoke up your ass. It is switch tasking. You just complete a task before you switch. All right. I will see you next week because I'm actually really excited about next week's topic. It's a little known side effect of overwhelm and I think you're going to love it. And it fits whether we're in lockdown or not. So have a great night. Enjoy the rest of our um, self-imposed uh, lockdown and I will see you on the flip side. Ciao.